Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. I'm so excited to, um, to share the word with you today and um, share what's in my heart. Are you ready for the Bible? Yeah. All right. Proverbs 3.9 says this. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, excuse me. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Let's take a moment and let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. And God, we thank you for just the opportunity to come and to glorify your name, Jesus, to say that we love you, that we are your followers, that um, you have been so good to us, and we just, we give you our worship this morning. We give you our love today, and um, we just give you our attention. And Lord, I pray that today for every single one of us here, God, that we'll get something out of the word that is just for us. Just thank you for your ability to speak to every individual as you're speaking to all of us. And we just open up our hearts and we just say, yes, Lord, we want to receive from you. Lord, I pray for the wisdom, uh, the love, the empowerment of your spirit to share what's in your word. God, it's such a privilege, but Lord, I just want to kind of get out of the way and just say, Lord, speak. Lord, speak to all of us. We love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm really excited to, um, to talk to you today about um, giving and this simple concept today called first fruits. And we're going to look at a couple scriptures about first uh, fruits. Um, one of the things I'm really appreciative about is um, I, I really see us as a congregation, Victory, as just a very generous people that there's just a generous nature to who we are as a congregation. And, you know, our giving as a f- church family is connected to our reach within our community. And we see that in various uh, things that we're doing, whether it's in our youth or our food pantry or um, recovery, all the different types of ways that we're, we're looking to reach people um, just in our day-to-day lives. But also, you know, we see the fruit of our giving and our reach to the nations. How many of y'all enjoyed Pastor Kwaku last week, um, who was here. He's Ghanaian, and he has a church in Coventry. He and his wife, Ivy, joined us for a conference on the West Coast, and then we had him uh, as a captive audience for a week here, and some of y'all hosted him, and I'm so appreciative of that. And uh, just to be able to be connected with them and the work that we're doing in his church, do you know, you know, we started a church a network of church leaders at his church that meets called Ministry Friends. And people come for connection and, and, and for um, encouragement in that place. And uh, we brought a couple of the leaders on that team over here. And uh, they were so blessed. Pastor Kwaku and Ivy, I asked them when I picked them up from Maisie's house the other day, um, that I said, hey, um, how excited are you to go home or disappointed you're leaving? And Pastor Kwaku said, I'm about 60% disappointed that I'm leaving and about 40% excited to go home. And uh, I got to tell you, whenever I'm on a missions trip, I'm about 10% sad I'm leaving, 90% sure. That's, that's probably generous. more like 99. When the work is done, I'm like, take me to the airport. Like, I am ready to see my family. I'm ready to see my church family. I'm ready to be home. But he, he said 60-40, of course, their first trip to the U.S. I asked Ivy, I said, how about you, Ivy? And she said, I'm just sad to leave. And I thought, oh, she was just, she just has such a sweetheart. And 
what a privilege to get to pour into them. It was our plan to bring them here two years ago. This little pandemic thing happened, messed everything up. Um, but, you know, our reach, because we are a, just a generous people by nature, um, this morning while I'm sitting and preparing, I'm getting these texts from our, our lead missionary in Central Asia who's on a short-term trip to Pakistan, and he is sending me pictures of 100 first-generation believers in Pakistan meeting and worshiping the Lord, and he's speaking there and encouraging them. And I'm just so blessed, which if you want to see those pictures, just come see me. They're not, they're not pictures I can put online kind of thing. But I'm just like looking at these first-generation, and he says to me in the text, he says, Mike, he says, these are modern-day slaves. He said generations before they were sold into slavery as bricklayers, and there are still bricklayers that are living in an indentured slavery kind of situation these days. But of this large group of people, he says this hundred have been, um, for seven years ago, they planted a church and these hundred believers, and he sends me this picture of these people worshiping and things like that. And I thought, what an amazing thing for us to be connected to. And, you know, God's given us some amazing people to sow into and to encourage and to be part of their story, even as they're part of our story. Amen? And as I tell you that, like, we don't look at mission, missions, by the way, as something that's being happening over there. It's happening everywhere. As a matter of fact, I'm convinced we are all missionaries, just we don't all know it. And a lot of people just went, oh, oh. Anyhow, but let's jump into today's scripture. And I want to take you to Leviticus 23. And I know when I say that, you're excited. Oh, pastor, take me to Leviticus. Whew. Yes, let's go. Let's get this on, right? Bring it on. I love it. Leviticus, I tell you, I am convinced that like, when you hand a new believer a Bible for the first time, please tell them to start reading in the middle, not the beginning. Right? Because you want them to start reading about the story of Jesus and all that kind of stuff. If you start them off in Genesis, it's all fine and good. But when they get to Leviticus, they're going to be like, I need a goat. And I need to build an altar. And I need a sharp knife. You get to the New Testament, you're like, really? I bought all this equipment. And (laughs) Jesus is the fulfillment. Leviticus 23 verse 9 says this. The Lord said to Moses... Speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land, I'm going to give to you and you reap its harvest. Would you say reap its harvest? When you reap its harvest, bring it to the priest, a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord so it will be acceptable on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. Verse 14 says this, You must not eat of the bread or roasted or new grain until the very day you bring this offering to your God. This will be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. And of course, when it says a lasting ordinance, it's in the context of the law. We're in the the New Testament, but praise God, we can learn from the whole word. Amen? You know, this is a different scenario than most of us live in today. Because most of us, the way that our income works is that we receive an income on regular intervals. You know, it could be monthly, it could be twice a month, it could be every other week. But in an agricultural society, there were gaps between when you were reaping a harvest and when you were doing all the other things that led up to reaping a harvest, right? And so when the harvest came, there was this first fruits 
principle that we're talking about today. In, in Proverbs 3.9, it says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim with new wine. You know, the first, the principle of the first, um, it honored God. What they said is when this harvest comes, don't eat it first. Bring the very first parts. And the first was considered the best. Some of you agricultural people go, actually, sometimes it's a little let down the road, that the best, but it was considered the first because it was the first part, right? And when, you, when they took the first and gave it to the Lord, um, it put God first. And it put him before self, and it put them, and it put it before your family. Um, and the Israelites in the Old Testament, they were not permitted to harvest, to take part of the harvest, or to trade the harvest until they gave this offering. Now, let's be practical. I don't know about you, but like, I get in the car after Aldi, and I'm like, man, that banana looked good. I'm like, grab me that banana. I don't even make it home sometimes before I partake. Don't go to the grocery store hungry, amen? But, but you think about like families, and you know, let's be practical, like there would have been times when they're harvesting and the family ran out of food, right? And they're hungry. They're not hungry, they're hungry, right? Like there's times when, when the harvest had to look like so good, right? Can you imagine looking at your kids and saying, listen, we're going to give this first part to, before we eat we're going to give this to the priest. We're going to, let, we're going to honor the Lord with this and because God is the God of our whole harvest. And this, this act of like self-denial of putting God in his place and God first um, is saying, you know what, that this harvest is his harvest, the whole thing. And I tell you, I, I don't know that I've experienced quite like that, right? I mean that, and I think when I, when I look at that, I go, man, like, they, it couldn't have been all the time that they weren't hungry. There had to have been times when it's like, I mean, it cannot get to be Saturday quick enough. Like, we got to give, we got, and we're going to party, right? Um, but, you know, he is the harvest provider. It's his harvest, and he provided it all for us. Will you go with me now to Deuteronomy 22? And y'all like, okay, you just lightened it up just a bit. Now we're going to Deuteronomy. We're out of Leviticus. You survived. You can say today, I survived. Leviticus with Pastor Mike today. Deuteronomy 26 verse 1 says this, when you have entered the land your God is giving you an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settle in, take some of the first fruits of all that you've produced from the soil. Do you all see that first fruits again? Take the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord will, uh, will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in, the, in office at that time, I declare today, would you say I declare today? I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestor. Now let me give you just a little bit of background. What this is saying is, it's saying to the people of Israel, you remember, they came out of Egypt, out of slavery, right? Y'all remember how long maybe they spent in the wilderness? About 40 years, right? Just kind of wandering in the wilderness. And then they would go into the land of Canaan, the land that God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that their children's children would inherit this land, right? And so this scripture is saying, when you enter into that land, you see, before that, they're nomads. 
They lived a life moving from place to place. Follow the cloud, follow the pillar of fire, right? They said, when you get your inheritance, when you get to enter the land, and when you get in there, you're going to have this first fruits from the land. Now, you all remember, when they went into this land, there were houses they hadn't built, cities they hadn't built, um, you know, vineyards they hadn't planted. Like, they were receiving this inheritance from the Lord. And what this is saying is, when you get there, you're going to have this first fruit. And when you get to this first fruit, I want you to declare something. I want you to make an offering, and I want you to declare. And now we're going to read about what they declared. In verse 4, the priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down before the altar of your God. Then you shall declare. Everybody say declare. Declare. You're a fan of the office, which I'm not, not endorsing. Um, I may have watched all of it. But... Um, I declare bankruptcy! And he, the, the main character declares bankruptcy. He thinks it's something you can just declare, which is pretty funny. Um, but I like the word declare because the word declare isn't like I said it. It's not like I whispered it. It's not like, well, I repeated it. Da, 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 da. I declared it, right? Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, now, follow me. Now, this is their story. And I, I'm going to bring it back to us, okay? My father was wandering in Aramea, which um, they're talking about Jacob, okay? So my father Jacob was wandering, and he, remember how we said they were nomads? Okay, there we go. They were nomads. And he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then he cried, then we cried out to the Lord and the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and signs and wonders. He brought us to this place, and he gave us this land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring, now remember, this is all a declaration, and now I bring the first fruits of the soil that the Lord hath given me. Place Place the basket before the Lord your God, bow down before him, and then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing with you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given you and your household. So what happened was, this was like a, this offering was something that went on for generations. And whenever that first harvest came in, we saw in Leviticus, they would take this sheep and they would bring it before the Lord. They'd hand it to the priest and he would wave it before the Lord, right? And there'd be this, this first fruits offering, right? And in this scripture, it says, listen, I want you to come and I want you to connect your giving with your remembrance. I want you to connect your giving with your story. I want you to connect your giving with where you came from. I want you to connect your giving with where the Lord has taken you. And it was like their way of saying, because you, know, we, we, you, you hear it in our offerings all the time, we really emphasize how giving is an act of worship, yeah. right? And we really, you hear that from us all the time when we're doing our tithes and offerings and our team that puts those, uh, those mini messages together. As we're, and we do it as a part of worship be, right after like we're singing because we see it, right, 
as worship. What I love about this is this scripture is saying, listen, that first fruits offering is a time for you to remember where you were. Remember where you are and declare where God is taking you and the future that he has for you. This, this was a celebration. And I, I think, you know, it, remember it says in the New Testament, right, God loves a what giver? A cheerful giver. It says at the end of this that you, after you give this to the Levites, you should rejoice. Now, I've got to tell you, I've been in some weird churches in, the, in my day. And they're my brothers and my sisters, and I love them. I've heard people say, it's time for the offering. And the whole crowd goes, woo! And I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> I mean, it's biblical, but y'all are just being weird. <laughs> I just call it out, right? And like, I've seen like, you know, we're not here. I'm not naming any names, so it's all good, right? I've, I've, seen, I've seen like the lady come up, and she dancing and throwing it in there, and just like, drawing a lot of attention to themselves, really. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. But the concept of rejoicing before the Lord, and I love how it connects it with your story. I've got a question for you today. What is your story? I don't know about you, but I love our stories. I love the story of the person who says, well, I... I grew up in a Christian home, and I've never you know, really strayed from the Lord. And I, I love that story because none of us are raising our kids for a testimony. Right. Amen? I feel like you all missed that. <laughs> when, when the kid goes, well, I you know, just grew up in a great home, and, I, you know, and everything's been, and I serve the Lord, and I, I rejoice in that. Do you rejoice in that? Yeah. Like nobody's raising their kid for a testimony, right? But I also, I love the story of Man, I had one foot in hell and the other one was right behind it. Like, and I, I mean, it, it connects with my story. I mean, I was headed there and not headed towards God. I was running from God. And when I think about my story, and I'm saying this because whatever your story is, if you're a first-generation believer in Pakistan today, you're a first-generation believer in in Goochland today, if you're a 10th generation or a 20th generation believer and you're receiving blessings from the people who've gone before you, there's something to rejoice in in your story that is Christ-centered. Amen? And th- this idea was, hey, when I worship the Lord and when I'm giving this first fruits offering, and we don't, we don't do first fruits, that we're not under the law. We give because it's a a biblical principle, then we give our tithes and our offerings and things like that. But I love studying an offering like this and going, why did they do it and how did they do it? And they rejoiced in their story. They said, God, I'm giving you this and this is my story. I know for me, my story is that, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, but and my parents were first-generation, born-again, Jesus movement people, and I was the firstborn. But i got to tell you, my parents were this close from splitting up. My parents were this close from going separate ways. And my dad drug my mother down here, and she would tell you that too, kicking and screaming. They hadn't talked for a year when, she brought, when he brought her down here. And, and, and she had seen divorce around her, experienced divorce around her, and her and my dad were not getting along, and my dad drug us down here. We didn't go to church for a few years, and my family needed a turnaround. I mean, we were ready. We were headed that way, and God, 
had mercy on my family, and there was this restoration that happened. And when they took me back to church, I was like, oh, no, I ain't about all this. For all, the, all kinds of different reasons, I told my, my, my parents, like, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in this stuff. And then that started my parents' prayer ministry. And they became intercessors. And if you remember my dad, both my mom and dad are in heaven now. My dad was 6'3". Some of y'all are wondering where Caleb gets his height. My dad was 6'3". Full head of gray hair for as long as I can remember. And I'm confident that I gave him that gray hair. Confident. And I gave him reason for that. But you know, my parents prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I was so fearful to serve God because I knew God would cost me everything. I knew that he wasn't going to come for part of me. I knew enough about the book growing up in a Christian home that I wasn't going to be able to ride the fence. My personality can't even ride the fence. Like, it's just not in me. I knew it would be an all-in kind of thing, but I was scared. I was like, is he really the God of this book? And God was patient with me. And I did not deserve his patience. I was arrogant and full of myself and coming up with every reason why not to follow God. And he was patient with me. And you know what he did? He put young people around me. I I got myself in so much trouble. I know you want to hear those stories, but I'm not telling you. I got myself in so much trouble that the only thing I was allowed to do was church stuff. That's it. I could only, and the, the, the youth group was amazing to me. They loved me. They knew I was an atheist. I was their prayer project. I remember once I was, she was in that youth group. I, I remember once we were at a prayer meeting and they're all praying. And I was like, sweet. I went and laid on the couch. And then my friend, good friend of mine, Earl Fonville, he's about 6'4". He comes up with a prayer group, and he's a teenager at that time. He walks up, and all the teenagers, he, he, he's got these massive hands. He looks just like Draymond Green. I kid you not. And he comes up to me, and he says, Brother, can I pray for you? And I was like laying there, just chilling. I was like, sure. <laughs> Some of y'all are in that joke, right? When my belly shows... My wife does not hesitate. She's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Y'all just, y'all just came part of the family. And the problem, the problem is, I don't care. <laughs> and she knows that's the problem. Earl comes up. He puts his big mitts on me, and they just start interceding. And come tie my bow tie, and she rode on a Honda, and they're just going after it, and I'm just chilling in this. You're just chilling. It wasn't long after that. May 5th, 1992, I was walking out of a hospital with a friend of mine from the youth group. We had visited a girl, and these two girls asked to bum a cigarette off of me. I had a half a carton in the car, and I knew how this was going to work. Cigarette, phone number, I knew how this was going to work. But in that moment, in that moment, I knew that this isn't who I was to be anymore. And I asked those girls if they had a Bible. I kid you not, I witnessed to someone before I received Christ. And I, I, I talked to them, I went home, I went to my room, I gave my life to Jesus, and I knew from that moment on, I knew that I was 100% the Lord's. I knew that I was not my own. I knew that from that day on, it, my life was never going to be my own because I knew enough about the book and I knew enough about God it, it, just from my, my upbringing. And that is my story. And I've not turned back. It's not been easy. There are times of struggle and there are times of storm and there's times of heartache, but I would much rather go through those times with the Lord than without him. We live in a really broken world, but you know what? We have him and we have one another. 
And we have a story. And what I want to tell you today is your story, as imperfect as it is, your story doesn't have to be perfect. You could be in the middle of a messy chapter. Your story is still before the Lord, right? And there are still chapters to be written. I was talking to a widow on the phone yesterday who lost her husband, who was a, a minister for many, many, many years. And it's just going through this whole transition and, and all the things that are going on. And I just I told her the word of the Lord yesterday on the phone. And I just said, listen. I said, there's still chapters being written in your book. Yeah. Their book is not over. Where you are, it's not done. There's still pages turning, and you're always able to turn to the Lord. You're always able to cry out to the Lord, and you're allowed to let God write your story. You could be in the middle of a terrible chapter, but it's not the last chapter. And I got to tell you, and I say this humbly because I know that I'm, I'm building you up, and it's very intentional. You could be in the middle of a good chapter. But I want to encourage you, keep pursuing the Lord. One of the hardest things for me to, to reconcile is I thought as a young man that when we go through life, we just get more mature, more mature, more mature, and more mature. And I have been shocked to find out that we can revert as a people. And I don't say that to shame us. I don't say that to give us a hard time. I say that to say, hey, stay awake. Keep your face and your life before the Lord. Don't go to sleep before the Lord. Keep pursuing Him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Because honestly, He's worthy of it. He's worthy of all of you. The price that He paid for you was not for a couple hours on Sunday. He paid for you. And He loves you wholly. And He's not afraid of your story. He's not afraid of your background. He loves a good turnaround. He absolutely loves it. You know, I just want to encourage you in your worship and giving in the Lord to, um, when you think about your giving, you know, it doesn't necessarily always work practically. Like, I mean, the government gets its cut before you give to the Lord, <laughs> right? That's a smart system right there. You don't even get your money until they get their money, right? But there's a hard, one of the ways that I do it in my heart is in my budget, the top line is my tithe and offering, right? Just a heart thing kind of thing. But this idea of first, this idea of best, this idea of honoring God as our provider for all that we have received. And you see, in that first fruits giving, it was the, it was the front end. And there was a bit of a motivation of, hey, I want this whole harvest to be good. You know what I'm talking about? Like there's more coming and I, I Lord, bless it. Multiply, like use it, right? And all that we would receive. And you know, when you give, at times, take a moment and remember where you were. And remember where he's taken you. And for a lot of us, you're like, you know, it's been a lot of ups and downs. But you would all say, but I'm thankful for the Lord. And he has been faithful to me. He's been more faithful to me than I have been, for, been to him. There's something about your story that is really valuable to the Lord. It's such an interesting thing. They would come and they would recite that entire thing, you know, and, and our father, who, you know, they, they would go through the entire thing, but it wasn't for the words, it was for the heart because of the great inheritance. And let's, let's face it, we have all, if you have received Jesus as your Savior, you have received and will receive 
the greatest inheritance that there is. I mean, really. Like, you could be going through the greatest mess of your life right now, but if you, have rece- if you are a follower of Christ, like, the, e- the end end is really good. I read the end of the book. It's really good for us, right? And I want to encourage you, if you've never had that moment in your life where you said to the Lord, you said, God, I need you to be my God. I need you to be my master and commander. I need my life to be 100%. I believe that you exist, but I want to be your follower, and I want you to come into my life. If you've not had that moment, maybe you've turned away from the moment, whatever it is, I just want you to to know that today, October the 16th, right? October the 16th, 2022, is the day I said to the Lord, I'm 100% yours. And if that's a decision that you want to make in your heart and you want to ask Christ into your life, um, I, really, I, I personally want to know about it. I want to pray with you. If you're online, you can go to Next Steps and uh, go to victorychristian.church, click on Next Steps, and we'll reach right back out to you. Because if you're online, we want, we want to connect with you and we want to be there. This is the greatest decision you can make. Maybe you've accepted Christ, but you need to receive baptism in your life. You can do that same thing if you're online. If you're in the room and you're like, man, I need to take my next step or I need to receive Christ into my life, don't leave here today without grabbing me and telling me because I really want to pray with you today because it is the moment. My day was May 5th, 1992, was the day the girls asked to bum a cigarette and it ended up being the greatest victory in my life for Jesus, amen? Would you stand with me today? I want to pray with you. And again, if you're here today and you say, I need a turnaround in my life or in my family, or I need somebody to pray with me. When I finish praying, the, the, the um, prayer team will, will be up here. And you just come up here and find someone who looks like they have a nice smiling face and ask them to pray for you, and they will pray with you, okay? So as I pray, that just have the prayer team come on up front. Father, we love you today. We thank you that you are the God of the turnaround. I thank you, God, that there's no sin that is so uh, discouraging to you that you cannot forgive. I thank you, God, that there's no storm greater than the name of Jesus. I thank you that you are a great and a mighty God. And I thank you, God, for your love. Oh, you love us so much. And we are so honored that you you love us. And Lord, that you know us. Father, I pray for those who need a turnaround, God, that you really minister to those families today. And Lord, even if it's just a prayer need for someone else in the family, as they receive prayer today, God, move. We thank you that you're a God who moves, a God who acts. And Lord, today, um, as we close with our message, Lord, uh, Lord, as we give our offerings to you, as we give our tithes to you, as we give our worship to you, God, we just say, Lord, have the best part. Father, not just leftovers, but the best part. And Lord, may you be honored with it. And may we, God, cherish our stories, Lord. And may we, Lord, have hope and faith that others who are facing turmoil, others who are lost, can have a story in you, Jesus. That, Lord, you died for all who would receive. We thank you, Lord and we honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to Victory Christian 
www.thepeopleofgod.church.